0: This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no buys, and no bull. April 22, 2020. A lot of information to share with you today. Let's get right to it. Uh, We had three economic releases today. The first one was mortgage applications uh, for the week of April 17th. The composite index was uh, down 0.3%. The purchase index was up 2% from the prior week, and the refinance index was down 1%. So not a whole lot of news there, but that's what happened with that indicator. The uh, month-over-month change in the FHFA house price index for February uh, was expected to be 0.4%. And it was actually 0.7%, so a little bit better than expected. Year-over-year change was uh, 5.4% in January, and in February was 5.7%. So home prices uh, were doing fairly well in February before the pandemic hit. Obviously, those numbers are going to be... Well, we'll have to see how those numbers turn out for March because uh, the market is primarily frozen right now, so we'll have to see how the pandemic is hitting home prices. And the EIA Petroleum Status Report showed that for the week of April 17, crude oil inventories were up 15 million barrels compared to a change of 19.2 million barrels last week, which was a record amount. So the supply glut continues in the oil market. Next thing I wanted to share was uh, that uh, today oil did rebound uh, because the president uh, shared out a message that said that he is directing the U.S. Navy to shoot down any Iranian warplanes if they attack any U.S. ships. So that sent oil prices up by about 20%. Let me see. uh, Yeah, up up about uh, 20% from yesterday's close. So, anytime uh, the market, uh, anytime oil prices rise in this environment, the market is going to like it. So, the market has rebounded on the increase in the oil price, as well as the increase in hopes for passing the stimulus bill of about $500 billion that uh, was passed by the Senate yesterday and will be voted on by the House on Thursday. Uh, much needed money. Uh, another $250 billion in that bill for small businesses. Uh, again, a lot of uh, anger over the fact that bigger small businesses, as it were, were getting more money than the smaller small businesses. So ho- they're hoping that that's going to be, there's going to be some changes in the bill that make it easier for the real small businesses to get more help than they got through the first stimulus bill. Now I want to share with you just a couple of tidbits from uh, my friend Roger. His email uh, which uh, highlights things from the Financial Times. Uh, it says that food supply chains are under pressure in poor nations. Government and international institutions are becoming increasingly worried about the growing constraints on access to food around the world as coronavirus disrupts economies and leaves workers without income while global stocks of staples including grains and pulses are deemed to be sufficient. Supply chains are coming under pressure and workers in developing countries with a small financial cushion are losing out on earnings. The World Food Program warned yesterday that the number of people facing acute acute food insecurity could double in 2020 from the year before to 265 million people. That's not good. Anger at a shortage of food parcels triggered violent protests across South Africa The Philippines military indicated it was prepared for a martial law type lockdown in the event of unrest, although no order has been given yet. Okay, so uh, and one other thing I wanted to share from that email was what was happening in education. Uh, Basically, there's a a lot of disruption going on in education right now not only in terms of universities scrambling to get classes being put online but also the fact that a lot of international students are being forced to stay in their home countries due to the international trade restrictions so there is a lot of uh, revenue from tuition that is either being uh being cut off right now or is being demanded from students to be reduced because of the fact that they can't get the full experience of their the education that they that they paid for So there's an awful lot of disruption going on right now in the education system. Now I wanted to share with you uh, some information that uh, came from another webinar today put on by the National Association for Business Economics. This this webinar was all about the labor market. So I'll just go through these slides one by one. There ain't a whole lot of slides here. Um, First of all, uh, this was a chart by table by uh, the state of Michigan for unemployment insurance. The share of cumulative initial claims in Michigan, uh, the biggest share based on the, uh, the total number of claims came from manufacturing, retail trade, and accommodation and food services. However, if it's, if it's uh, as a share of the employment base in that industry, the highest share came from, uh, looks like, construction at 46%. So 46% of, of the uh, claims, or 46% of, the number of claims in construction accounted for 46% of all jobs in construction. So that's what it's saying, about half. And the lowest, believe it or not, was public administration. Wow. What does that tell you? That's kind of interesting. There's all these protests going on in Michigan right now about the fact that the government has shut down the economy and everybody's losing their jobs. And the one industry that has by far the lowest share of of initial jobless claims as a share of total employment in that industry is government. (laughs) <laughs> wow that's very very telling in other words government is shutting it down everyone's losing their jobs but government is not losing their jobs that is quite a discrepancy and you can understand why people are very very upset and the increase in the unemployed this is this is for the whole nation now the increase in, in the unemployed from from February to March was one point three million people, and uh again this was this was before the full effects of the pandemic came along, and before the full effects of any jobless claims were really felt. so the number of unemployed rose are one point three million people, but the number of job losers and persons who completed temporary jobs was one point two million. So a lot of people that are considered unemployed are people who lost their jobs but also there's a discrepancy there because some of these people may not really be a, the, the the rules for or the the stipulations for determining who's employed or who's unemployed and who's not unemployed is very very vague right now because there's a lot of different rules in these bills and so you have some people who are filing for unemployment uninsur- who have filed for uninsurance benefits but are not really unemployed. You also have some people who are who who are out of a job but are not considered unemployed because in order to be considered unemployed you have to a be in the labor force and b b looking for work. So you have to want a job and you have to be looking for a job. So even if you want a job and you're not looking for a job within the last four weeks, you are not considered unemployed. Uh, so there's a lot of statistical minutiae there that a lot of people don't understand, but it's really uh, quite technically confusing for, for uh, these kind of estimates. So the bottom line is that the unemployment rate uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future is going to be very difficult to interpret because of all these moving parts. However, it is pretty certain that the unemployment rate is going to skyrocket in in, in for when we get the April numbers in a couple weeks here. Uh, but again, might be somewhat misleading to the upside, might be somewhat misleading to the downside. Who knows? It's just, you know, even the stati- even the people who are putting these statistics together are having a tough time trying to figure all this out because of all the moving parts. So just suffice it to say that don't get too super depressed and don't get too super excited if it, if it's one way or the other. In other words, if it's a lot worse than people expected, don't get depressed. And if it's a lot better than people expected, don't get too, too, too optimistic. And uh, another chart was uh, shown for this one was for Minnesota. Basically, what this guy was saying was that uh, f- f- two of the top four industries in terms of Initial jobless claims as a share of the employment in that industry uh, were supervisors of farming, fishing, and forestry, and other healthcare practitioners and technical occupations. And what he was trying to point out was that, yes, there are a lot of people losing their jobs on the lower end of the payway, pay, pay spectrum, uh, but... Uh these two jobs that he pointed out are on the higher end, thirty-five dollars an hour and thirty-eight dollars an hour respectively. So what he's trying to say is that it's not just low wage jobs that are that are going away. Some high paying jobs are uh, have been lost as well. Now on to the other presentation. This one was from Indeed, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, uh, in terms of job hunting. Job postings are down 34% from February 1 to April 16. That is just incredible. In in 2018 and 2019 during that same period, job postings were up about 5% and this time down Thirty-four percent, and really the big decline came from about March fifteenth to April sixteenth. So really, it's just over the past month that this big, huge decline has come. And new job, so that was overall job postings. New job postings are down forty-six percent in that same period. The biggest uh, declines in job postings uh, from the previous year are hospitality and tourism. 63.9% sixty three point nine down sixty three point nine percent and childcare down sixty two point two percent arts and entertainment banking and finance loading and stocking software development nursing and pharmacy rounded up rounded off the top uh, sectors industries I should say so that's a decline in the prior year and this is for the whole nation travel and tourism destinations are suffering the most uh, the highest uh, the the Metro with the, the most um, job Biggest decline in job postings was Honolulu, 47.9%, Provo-Orem, Utah, 45.1%, Miami, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, Florida, 44.9%, and Salt Lake City, Utah, 44%, Orlando, Kissimmee, Sanford, Florida, 43.3%. So these uh, hot uh, destinations for travel and tourism are really being hammered by this pandemic and as far as countries New Zealand saw the biggest decline from a year ago 63% of uh, 63%, 63% job uh, 63% decline in job postings Australia down 54% United Kingdom down 48% and United States down 34% uh Another chart was interesting and showed rapidly growing job search terms. In other words, what are people putting in when, uh, primarily in Google when they're searching for jobs? Telehealth nurse was by far the biggest uh, increase in searches. Percent change since March 2001 through April, t- so through April 13. 1,132% increase in telehealth nurse. Telehealth, 80, 839% increase. Online, 818%. COBOL, 707%. Amazon Remote, 651%. And Online Tutor, 590%. Grocery Store, 541%. So a lot of tele, online, remote kinds of things. So in other words, a lot of people are are looking for jobs where they can work from home and be safe and this chart shows that uh in march 2020 the biggest declines in jobs were seen in leisure and hospitality and mining and logging and the biggest increases about 1.8 percent in utilities and information and government uh, at 0.6 percent so most of the major sectors in the economy saw declines in march And it says here, the worst off are the hardest hit. In other words, there was a pretty, uh, over the last several months, the lowest income uh, tier, they have low wage, middle wage, and high wage. The lowest wage tier was doing okay. And then all of a sudden, March came along, and there was a massive decline in jobs in the low wage tier compared to the middle wage and high wage. All three tiers saw declines. But the low-wage tier saw, it looks like, at least five or six times more jobs than the middle-wage and the high-wage tier. So this pandemic is really hitting the lower-income lower uh, tier the hardest by far. So that was a rundown of what was uh, what the uh, NAB chart showed, and I took my own notes, and I'll just run through them here real quick. Many unemployed people will likely be recalled, so again, that's going to distort the statistics. Uh, not just low wage workers are filing for unemployment benefits, like I had said. Uh, response rates were lower for job surveys, so that's also kind of distorting the statistics. So some of those numbers will likely be revised to higher job losses when uh, more surveys come in, if if they can get them. Business formation plummeted in March, so that's another reason why we've had a really big impact on the labor market. Uh, so not only are businesses uh, going out of business, but new businesses more, new businesses are not coming online, which makes sense. Many companies are now starting to cut wages and hours to keep their people employed. And I think what they're doing here is they're keeping their people employed, and then they're using the money from the Paycheck Protection Program to pay their people. So it's, on the one hand, it sounds kind of you know not really good, but on the other hand, it actually does make sense. What's the better thing to do to cut your people loose or to cut their wages and hours, keep them on the payroll, keep them attached to their health care plans and their and their company and use the money from the government to pay those wages. And then if they are doing that, then that loan from the government is going to be turned into a grant. In other words, it's going to be forgiven. It's not going to need to be paid back. So kind of interesting strategy there. And the drop in the labor force participation rate uh, in March was the largest since 1951. Wow. And uh, they also said that ramping up economies will likely be slow. And uh, part of the reason is because people will need to learn new skills to get back into the workforce, uh, especially if they've been out of work for probably six months or longer. Believe me, you can... I'm speaking from experience. You can lose your skills. Although I really didn't lose my skills so much. I just stopped using them for a while after I lost my job. And if people... (laughs) Let me tell you also from experience. If people are getting paid for not working, what is the chance you think that they are actually going to work on keeping their skills fresh or learning new skills? We're getting into summer here. What do you think people are going to be doing? Sitting at home learning new skills on their computer? Or going for a bike ride or a swim if they just so happen to be lucky enough that their state is allowing beaches to be open. Here in Minnesota, our beaches are closed for the whole summer, at least as far as the the latest uh, edict is concerned. So, uh, one of the best times to be unemployed is in the summer because you can be outside and, and enjoy the summer. But as far as your career planning goes, one of the worst times to be unemployed is in the summer because you have very, very, very little incentive to learn new skills sitting inside on your computer, especially if you're getting paid to not work. Now, I was getting paid to not work, but not from the government. I was getting paid from basically my own savings. I I was lucky enough to have some savings built up, so I had little incentive to look for a job, and that is a trap. Uh, Don't fall into that trap. Please don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, hey, this is easy. I'm getting paid for not working. Don't fall into that trap. Keep yourself busy. Keep yourself learning skills and keeping your current skills fresh. Do things during the day that are productive and are moving your career forward. That's all I wanted to say about that. All right. I really don't have a whole lot to share about the the uh, coronavirus other than the fact that for the United States, the death death rate yesterday was actually the highest since the pandemic began. According to World or Meters, yesterday, April 21, number of deaths was 2,804. That's the highest we've seen. The next highest was... 2,618 on April 15th, but it was either, April, it was one of these days in the, uh, in the past week where, remember one of my previous episodes talked about how one of the days there was 2,400 fatalities reported, and then the next day, it was revised up to like 6,000 some and now I look at the the chart, and it's revised back down to 2,400 again. So I don't know what the heck is going on with these statistics. Uh a lot of revisions going on, I guess. Uh I I don't know. This it, it's just it's gotten to the point where it's very hard to put a whole lot of faith in these numbers. Again, like I mentioned in previous episodes, if you didn't hear those previous episodes, you might want to go back and listen to them where I talked about the fact that uh, uh, some fatalities are being labeled COVID 19 deaths even though they did not actually die from COVID 19. If they either had the virus in their system and died from something else like pneumonia or heart disease, they are being labeled, at, be instructed to be labeled as COVID 19 fatalities. Or if they had symptoms of COVID 19 but were not even tested for it, they are being labeled as uh death due to COVID-19. Again, why is that? Like I mentioned before, it's money. It's hype. It's fear. There are some people who want to blow up the COVID-19 fatalities as much as they possibly can to uh, to spread fear. Uh, some of it is to keep these lockdowns in, in, in place uh, in terms of controlling the population. There's some of that. Obviously, there's there's politics involved. If you don't think there's politics involved in this, then, wow, you're not paying attention. Very political. And there's also money involved. Again, $13,000 goes to the hospital for a Medicare patient that has COVID-19. $39,000 goes to the hospital if if a COVID patient goes on a ventilator. So, again, there's incentive to inflate these numbers, and so when we're seeing all these... Fatalities is being reported and then being revised up or revised down. How much faith can you put in these numbers? I just really don't know anymore. I really don't know anymore. All right. Now it's on to my tip number eight for staying sane through unemployment. Tip number eight is under the first commandment, which is be thankful for everything you have. Gratitude. Tip number eight. Be thankful for your TV and your computer. I'm assuming the vast majority of you listening have a TV and a computer. Be very thankful for them. Be thankful for your TV because a lot of you are bored either because you're working at home and you're not working as much or you need something to do either for yourself or your family to stay occupied and stay not bored. Uh, Or some of you don't have a job at all, you need something to do, so you watch your TV. I personally, interestingly enough, I personally am watching a lot less TV now that the pandemic is in place. Why would that be? Well, 80 to 90% of my TV watching is sports. <laughs> I'm a huge sports fan. And there's no sports being played right now. And no, I'm not going to sit and waste my time watching replays. <laughs> so, I'm on my computer. I'm doing my podcast. I'm learning skills. I'm, I'm learning more about how to do podcasts. I'm learning more about how to share my knowledge. I'm learning more about what's happening uh, uh, politically and with the virus and with the economy. And uh, I'm reading articles and I'm reading, uh, watching webinars. And I'm doing all kinds of things to keep myself skilled and uh, in the loop as to what's going on and hopefully marketable to the point where I can find somebody who wants to hire me for the skills that I've either kept fresh or or um, acquired during this time. So I'm doing productive things, I'm not watching TV. You can do what you want, but I would say, you know, moderation is the best thing. And be thankful for your computer. Where would you be without your computer in this time? Whether or not you want to be uh, reading articles, watching things on your computer, uh, sending emails to your family, or looking for a job. Where would you be without your computer? Where would I be without my computer? If I didn't have my computer and there's no sports on TV, well, I guess I would read a book. I love reading books. That's pretty pretty cheap and informative. So be thankful for your TV and your computer. That's my tip number eight. That's all I have for today. Please, again, uh, if you would like, uh, I have my feedback link on my website, www.edcashmark.com. Please uh, subscribe on iTunes, and if you uh, can, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes to help uh, boost my visibility Uh, for my podcast. Please spread the word to your family, friends, neighbors, and relatives. And uh, if you haven't seen or haven't listened to my previous episodes, please go back and listen to those, especially if you want to learn uh, my uh, previous tips on how to stay sane through unemployment. And uh, that's about it for today. This is Ed Cashmark, The Everyday Economist. Thanks for listening, and stay safe, stay sane. Have a good rest of your day.